Thank you for listening to this sermon from Seven Springs Presbyterian Church. If you want to learn more about us, please find us on Facebook or visit us at sevenspringspresbyterian.com. A loving Father, we pray that you would teach us this evening. Teach us with your wisdom, not from the wisdom of the world, but from your wisdom, from your word, that we might be able to know your way, that we would be able to keep it to the end, persevering through all situations and times. Lord, we'd be able to see the, the, the walk of the saints of old and to be able to see how they put their faith in you even when they did not have that promise to hold in their hand. They saw it from afar. Give us understanding that we might be able to keep your law, observe it with our whole heart. Lead us in the path of your commandments that we might be able to delight in them and incline our hearts towards you this evening, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Hear now the word of the Lord from Genesis chapter 46, verse 28 to 47, verse 12. Hear now the holy, inerrant, infallible word of God. And he sent Judah ahead of him to Joseph to show the way before him to Goshen. And they came into the land of Goshen. And Joseph prepared his chariot and went up to meet Israel, his father, in Goshen. He presented him to him himself to him and fell on his neck and wept on his neck a good while. Israel said to Joseph, Now let me die, since I have seen your face and know that you are still alive. Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's household, I will go up and tell Pharaoh that, and will say to him, My brothers and my father's household who were in the land of Canaan have come to me. And the men are shepherds, for they have been keepers of livestock. And they have brought their flocks and their herds and all they have. When Pharaoh calls you and says, what is your occupation? You shall say, your servants have been keepers of livestock from our youth even unto now. Both we and our fathers in order that you may dwell in the land of Goshen. For every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. So Joseph went in and told Pharaoh, My father and my brothers, with their flocks and their herds and all they possess, have come to the land, from the land of Canaan. They are now in the land of Goshen. And from among his brothers he took five men and presented them to Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to his brothers, What is your occupation? And they said to Pharaoh, Your servants are shepherds as our fathers were. They said to Pharaoh, We have come to sojourn in the land, and there is no pasture for your servants' flocks, for the famine is severe in the land of Canaan. And now, please let your servants dwell in the land of Goshen. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Your father and your brothers have come to you. The land of Egypt is before you. Settle your father and your brothers in the best of the land. Let them settle in the land of Goshen. And if you know any able man among them, Put them in charge of my livestock. Then Joseph brought it in Jacob his father and stood him before Pharaoh, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Jacob, How many are your days of the years of your life? And Jacob said to Pharaoh, The days of the years of my sojourn are a hundred and thirty years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life, and they have not attained the days of the years of the life of my fathers, in the days of their sojourn. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh, 
and went out from the presence of Pharaoh. Then Joseph settled his father and his brothers and gave them possession in the land of Egypt, in the best of the land, in the land of Ramesses, as as Pharaoh had promised, had commanded. And Joseph provided his father, his brothers, and all his household with food according to the number of their dependents. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. They are finally here. The last time we were in Egypt was in chapter 45. We have finally made it to that moment where Jacob, who has left the land of Canaan, has now come to the land of Goshen in Egypt. We have said that the story of Joseph, quite simply, is how did the people of God end up in Egypt before Exodus began? We now know that story. It has come to that time where um, Jacob and all of his household have now come into the land of Egypt. We find in verse 28 that Jacob had sent now Judah ahead of him to be able to meet him and Joseph Joseph in the land of Goshen. Now you can see even now Judah has started to become the prominent leader amongst the family. See this probably in previous chapters and even now in leading uh, Jacob, uh, Judah ahead, J- J- Jacob sending Judah ahead. After 22 years, Jacob finally sees his son Joseph again. The last time he saw him was that morning when he sent his brother Joseph off to see his brothers in Shechem to find them and find them where they were tending the flock. He had not seen him since that time. He'd seen the cloak in which he wore, which was covered in blood. And what we see in this passage is is this emotion. Especially the emotion from Joseph to Jacob. You see the, the difficult path this must have been for Joseph. And Joseph, time and time again, when his brothers would come, his question, the first on his lips was, What is of your father? Is your father well? And you must see that distance and separation from Joseph to his father as well as his father to Joseph. You see this here in this passage. When they finally meet, Joseph falls on his father's neck and weeps. And Moses tells that he weeps for a good while. And Jacob, in this moment, feels content. His life, he feels full. It says in verse 30, Now let me die, since I have seen your face and know that you are still alive. Now, if this was a Hallmark movie, there would be a large amount of time on this passage, this reunion after 22 years. Now, this scene is important. It's very important as we see this relationship between Jacob and Joseph and Joseph and Jacob. But that is not what Moses focuses on. He does not spend a large amount of time on this passage, on this section. Rather, this portion of the passage we read this evening seeks to unpack and answer three main questions. The three questions of what will the people of God do in Egypt? Where will they live in Egypt? And why are they in Egypt to begin with? 
The first thing that we'll look at is what will they do? Joseph explains his plan to his brothers to inform Pharaoh of their arrival. And he, and he goes and he says, I'm going to tell Pharaoh that you have come. We've had this conversation in the past that I'm going to send carts and, and chariots and we'll bring them there. But now finally you are here. I'm going to go tell Pharaoh what you are going to do. I'm going to say that you are shepherds and keepers of the livestock. And he is then going to ask you, what is your occupation? Now, during a time of famine, when you have great resource like the Nile River, many people would come to your um, place to be able to take refuge, to be refugees in your country. Now, you think about this widespread famine that not only affects Egypt, but then also all those in Canaan and probably the surrounding areas. You have an, a, a large amount of people coming to be able to dwell amongst your um, your nation. Now, this is even a severe famine, even for the Egyptians. So you have now a nation to be able to look after. Pharaoh needs to be able to look after his own people. But then also you have other nations coming to the land. That's going to be an overwhelming weight upon your national resources. So Pharaoh needs some benefit. Even if you're applying for immigration to countries today, one of the questions they will ask you, what is your occupation? The reason is we don't want too many people coming in if they just all had the same occupation. It would overwhelm the workforce. There'd be a lot of burden on them. So Joseph tells his brothers, tell Pharaoh that you are keepers of the livestock. And he specifically says, do not say you are shepherds. Because every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. And he tells the purpose why he says this. Tell this in order that you may dwell in the land of Goshen. And Joseph's plan all along is that he would have them dwell in the land of Goshen. Right in chapter 45, verse 10, he explains that you shall dwell in the land of Goshen. You shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children and your flocks and your herds and all that you have. Now, Pharaoh, to this point, has not told them where they're going to live. He's invited them to come to Egypt, but he hasn't told them where they're going to live in Egypt. In verse 18 of chapter 45, he says... When they come to me, I will give them the best land in Egypt. And they shall eat the fat of the land. But he hasn't told them where they are going to stay. But Joseph's plan is tell them that you are keepers of livestock that you might be able to dwell in the land of Goshen. Now why Goshen? Genesis 45 verse 10 explains that you shall be near me. Now, possible that Joseph owns land nearby, and therefore he means close proximity to me. It could mean this, or mainly that might be that you might be near me as in close to Egypt, not in Canaan. A long voyage journey. The second reason is that it, it is uh, quite a plentiful land. Chapter 47, verse 10, uh, 11. It explains the best of the land in the land of Ramesses, as Pharaoh had commanded. And this is what Joseph wants for his family. 
particularly his father. If you consider this, what great forgiveness. If he's not only just showing this compassion for his father to have the best land, but also his brothers to have the best land as well. If your brothers had sold you into slavery 22 years ago and now they come and seek refuge in you, where would you have them stay? But this land was enough to be able to provide for them. Now, I think these are valid, but I think the best reason is knowing what follows, not just in Genesis, but also in Exodus. It doesn't really matter what Joseph thinks. It doesn't really matter what Pharaoh thinks. That Goshen is one of the closest lands to the promised land on the border of Egypt. God knows that they're not going to be there forever. They're not going to be there for a long time. But there is similarities between here and also between Genesis chapter 13. That you have Lot who moves close to and lives near Sodom and Gomorrah. This word settle and dwell which appears in this chapter, this passage we read today also appears in Genesis chapter 13. And there's a connection also Moses makes in Genesis chapter 13. When Lot looks at the land, he beholds, lifts up his eyes. He looks down at the Jordan Valley. And it was very well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord. But it's also like the land of Egypt. And there's this great danger, again, these warnings that we see in Genesis of this slither, of this warnings of what it's going to be like. Are the people of God going to move close to Egypt and then move in and become like the Egyptians, like Lot kind of moved in and became like the Sodomites? That his family adapted. Will they adapt and take on the culture of the Egyptians? Will they forget their God and the promises that God made to their fathers? But all of this is all just Joseph's plan at this point. Joseph still has a master. And that master is Pharaoh. Pharaoh gets to say where they live. And Joseph goes in and tells Pharaoh about that his family is here. Verse 2 says that he only takes five of his brothers in. Maybe there's wisdom in this. Put your best foot forward. Maybe wonder who he chose of those five. Maybe he's thinking like his father when, when Jacob goes to meet Esau, he divides his family in two to try and protect one in case Esau was to turn and attack. Maybe he's thinking about survival. But Pharaoh asked the question that Joseph said he would ask. What is your occupation? Now you can almost imagine as Joseph's face falls into his hand as he selected these five brothers to stand before Pharaoh. This is what you are to say. And what do they say? Do not tell them you are shepherds. Yet what's the first thing that comes out of their mouth? Your servants are shepherds, as our fathers were. 
Now, Joseph had been over this before. The plan is ruined. How would they settle in the land of Goshen? But the brothers continue. We have come to sojourn in the land. For there is no pasture for your servants' flocks, and your famine is severe in the land of Canaan. And now, please let your servants dwell in the land of Goshen. Now, notice a couple of things about what they say. That we are but sojourners. They are somewhat passing the test. They merely want to be passing through temporally here in the land of Egypt. They want to be like their fathers. Even if being a shepherd makes a stink in the the nostrils of the Egyptians, so be it. This is what our fathers have done. We are not going to adapt and change the Egyptian culture. We're going to keep our culture. Again, Joseph's plans don't matter at all. Pharaoh turns around and says that your father and your brothers have come to you. The land of Egypt is before you. Again, what gives them the right to come and dwell even in the land of Egypt to be able to even have the best of the land? Again, it is Joseph and what Joseph has done for Pharaoh. Shows Pharaoh's respect towards Joseph. But also God's provision for his people. They now live in the land of Goshen. The best of land, Pharaoh says. They have a place to be able to dwell, but also they have an occupation. Here he has these livestock, which in this time and situation, a severe famine. You merely don't want them to just give them to anyone. To look after animals, I'm sure, is easier when there's a lot of food for them to be able to eat. But you live in a desert, it is hard to be able to find and care for livestock. Not just for you to be able to find the grass, but also you think of prey and predators coming and taking them. So now they have a place to dwell in occupation. But there leaves one question. Why are they here? The big answer, as I've said before, is how do we get to the beginning of Exodus? How does Israel, God's people, have from the land of Canaan, which is their promised land, how do they get to Exodus? Where they're in Egypt. Now this is a correct big answer. I think that's the big story. What happens in Joseph. But as you can imagine, we're going to answer this question more specifically. And if you noticed anything as we go through the story in Genesis, the stories in Genesis, almost always there's a connection to this promise and the promises of God as we see in Genesis this promise that unfolds this promise goes right back Abraham right when he was called is promised that God would bless him and he would bless those who bless him and he would curse those who curse Abraham But also in you, 
All the families of the earth shall be blessed. That Abraham is called and he would be blessed. God is going to bless him and bless others who bless him and curse those who curse him. But also in Abraham there's going to be a blessing to other nations around. Not only the promise of God to Abraham, but the promise of God to Isaac. And Isaac says to Jacob in Genesis chapter 27... As Jacob comes in and gets the blessing from his father. And he blesses him and says, see the smell of my son. is the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let peoples serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers And may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be anyone who curses you. And blessed be everyone everyone who blesses you. Here Jacob, the, the wandering Armenian, meets the most powerful man in the world at that time. And who blesses who? Last week we looked at Joseph, Jacob's family. And and the point of the passage last week in in this genealogy, one of the major points is that they they can be numbered. God's blessing and and promise to Abraham was that your offspring will be as numerous as the stars, that you cannot count them. But here is Jacob, and they can be counted. There are 70 of them. And here you have Pharaoh, powerful, Man, especially at this time when there's severest famine all over, who is coming and bowing down to who? But in steps Jacob. We saw this when when Melchizedek in Genesis chapter 14. Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, the priest of God the Most High. And Melchizedek blessed Abraham, as he said, blessed be Abram by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And then Abraham gives him a tenth of everything. That Melchizedek is greater than Abraham. That's the point in in Hebrews. And here comes Jacob, little old Jacob, before mighty Pharaoh, and the greater blesses the lesser. And the promises of God are being fulfilled. And we always see that there's always small ways that they're fulfilled throughout time, but the great climax is found in Christ. That through Christ all the nations are blessed. But also notice what Jacob answers when Pharaoh asks the question. When Pharaoh asks the question, how many are the days of years of your life? Jacob's answer is quite poetic. The days of the years of my sojourning are 130 years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life. And they have not attained the days of the years of the life of my fathers and the days of their sojourning. 
There's few things that we should highlight in Jacob's response. First, we know how old he is when he comes to Egypt. He's 130 years old. But he says that 130 years old is few. So if you feel like you are towards the end, just imagine Jacob here saying that his days are few. And specifically, he says his days are few because his great-grandfather lived, Terah, lived to be 205. His grandfather lived to be 175, Abram, Ham. Isaac, his father, lived to be 180. And he says that compared to them, his life and days are few. But he obviously feels the the weight of that age that he sees that his, he is coming closer to an end. But he says his days are few. Compared to them, he is a sapling compared to those great oaks. But notice that's not the only thing he says about his life. That it is few, but also that there are days of evil. That his life has been tough, bad, harsh. He was the second born to Esau. He spent a lot of time in Padam, Iran, which was not a joyous time, if you remember. Cheated, twisted by his father-in-law. He lost his beloved wife. He had said goodbye to his father. He never got the chance to be able to say goodbye to his mother, for he was in Padam, Iran at that time. He had the incident with Simeon. When he lived in Shechem, there was the event with Dinah, his daughter, and then the response of his sons. In the last 22 years, he has thought he had lost his beloved son as well. And he speaks and he looks at his life and he thinks not of joy and pleasure in that. But he says to Pharaoh that his days have been like evil. And we looked at this this morning when he blesses Ephraim and Manasseh. That he says, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day. The angel has redeemed me from all evil. That he sees after looking back on his life that they have been evil, but the Lord has redeemed him through that evil. But the third thing I think we can pass over quite quickly. That he calls himself a sojourner. His sons have caught on to this, te- this terminology as they meet before Pharaoh and explain their job and occupation that they come to the land of Egypt to sojourn. This always comes back to promises. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 and 10. It says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise. As in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob. Heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward 
to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. The author continues in verse 13. These, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Sarah, all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For the people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they have been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had an opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. See here that even now, Jacob, as he stands before Pharaoh, he says that I have no home. You bless me with physical things, but I have nothing to give you other than the blessing of the promise of God. I have nothing in my hand to be able to show you rather than the promise that I have seen from afar. That I am a sojourner. That we are just strangers and exiles on this earth. That I'm not seeking to make my homeland here, I'm seeking a homeland elsewhere. I desire not this country, a better country, the heavenly one. When Psalm 105, a historical psalm which goes through the the story of Israel, says in verse 12 that when there were few in number, what we looked at last week, of little account and sojourners in it, he says that I am a sojourner. To Pharaoh, I am a pilgrim, I am an exile, I am a stranger. Again, Psalm 105, when Israel came to Egypt, Jacob sojourned in the land of Ham. Jacob says, I have faith, and that's all I have. As I bless you, I, I bless you nothing with what I have. All I bless you is with this story and this promise that I have received from God. That I have faith, this assurance of things hoped for, this conviction of things not seen. And here Jacob sees that God has promised me a land. He remembers that promise back in Genesis chapter 28. When the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. But at this point, he has not received that promise. But he says, I will. I've seen it from afar. He asks his, Pharaoh asks his his son, uh, Jacob's sons, what is your occupation? And they say, we are shepherds. Pharaoh asks the question, what is your occupation? What is your life? And here Jacob says, I'm a sojourner. Where are you going to live, Jacob? Well, it doesn't matter today. But I know where I'm going after I die. Why are you here, Jacob? 
I'm to bless others with the same promise that I've been blessed. I don't deserve any of this. But God has promised me a land which is far greater. He's building me a city. I'll live in a tent today. It doesn't matter. Earth is not my home. And we need to think of ourselves in the same way. That we too are strangers and exiles in this land. We are pilgrims. We are sojourners. We should never feel home here. We should always feel like something is not here that we will have in the future. We're content here because we know there's life to come. We should always be longing for that better land, that better country, our citizenship which is found with him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Loving Father, we give you thanks and praise for the, for the great testimony of those who have gone before, which we have recorded in your word. Lord, we see your promise has been fulfilled throughout redemptive historical timeline, but also as we see the fulfillment of Christ and his coming, that we see through faith the eyes of that everlasting home in which we long to be. Lord, that we would share communion with you for all eternity. Lord, help us in this life, even if our days are few, even if the days around us are filled with evil. Lord, that we would be able to say, like Jacob did, that we are but sojourners. We are but just passing through. Lord, help us to be able to live our life centered around this truth, that we might be able to long for that moment where we see you, not through faith, but through sight. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Seven Springs Presbyterian Church. If you want to learn more about us, please find us on Facebook or visit us at sevenspringspresbyterian.com. Seven Springs Presbyterian Church began in 1874 and is a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America located in Glade Spring, Virginia. Please join us for worship on Sunday at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m for his glory and his gospel.